The next thing I wanted to do was get financial capital. And so the financial capital, I was able to uh, uh, attain that by working on Wall Street, getting a good job and saving money. And so I, I mentioned that because in real estate for me, it takes two or three things to be really successful. One is you can have knowledge. The other one is you have grit. And the other one is you have money. And knowledge is like you're learning about the real estate industry or what have you by any means necessary. The other one is grit. You have perseverance. You keep working hard. And the other one is financial. You have money. So you only need two out of three. All right. Welcome, everyone, again to another amazing episode. Today we have KR. KR is a stellar example of a young professional. Uh, he has benefited from working on Wall Street and has now built a multi-million dollar real estate investment company with over 100 rentals from scratch. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, a little bit of his background at the beginning, you know, how, how he has accomplished all this. And, and then we're going we're gonna to dive into some actionable tips that we all, always try to provide on our show. Uh, and like I mentioned before, this is the first time that we do a Zoom and also integrated with IG Live. So if you don't watch the whole episode, we're going to have it on our podcast uh, on iTunes and available on all uh, platforms that you uh, listen to your, your favorite podcast on. So let's start a little bit, KR. Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How you, how you begin and, and how, you, uh, how you go from uh, you know, being in Philly to Wall Street to being this big, uh, big entrepreneur, man. Well, I grew up in Philadelphia, a single parent household, my mother raising um, my seven siblings and, and I, uh, we moved around a lot. We grew up on welfare for people that don't know, that's what you call your EBT cards now today. And uh, I remember always having to move because the landlords will decide we, we were always struggling in terms to pay the rent. So I had said, at a very young age that I wanted to look at the world very differently. And I recall one point where our house had burnt down and we were practically homeless and we had an elementary teacher bring us some KFC. She brought original chicken, which I love. And then she brought some uh, mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese. And I said, what the hell? I'm a coleslaw guy. And I remember that uh, point because I was looking up at the stars, the third floor was missing. And I remember saying, I never want to be poor like this again. I want to have financial freedom. And throughout growing up in Philly, I said, I wanted to be the landlord. I don't want people telling me where to go, when to go, and how long I can stay here. And so I worked my butt off, did really well academically, graduated first in my class. And president of my class and uh, debate captain, track captain, then I got a full scholarship, went to Bowdoin College, studied uh, history and English throughout the school year and then worked on Wall Street throughout the summers and then got a job at Goldman Sachs and did investment banking in New York City and then was working for a hedge fund covering home builders. And in 2009, that's when I bought my first foreclosed property. And then I built my portfolio from single families all the way up to multifamilies. And so it's been pretty crazy acquiring 70 rental units in the middle of a pandemic last year. So it's been quite a journey. And I was able to retire from my full-time job last year as well. That's amazing, man. German, you, what do you have? And I know on, on, on huh? IG, people can't see German, but my brother's on and he's uh, also going to ask questions. Yeah, no, no, man, that's, that's amazing. We came from, from, from beginnings, like similar to yours um, in... Uh, I don't remember my parents struggling to pay rent, 
but they had, you know, they had two, three jobs uh, where, um, yeah, because to, to us, we were, we were raised that bills were religion. You know, it's like you pay your bills first and then you pay yourself or whatever, whatever's mm. left is for us. Um, but we came from, from, from a background like that too, where, uh, where they had to work two, three jobs at a time. And the, the properties that we lived in were very deplorable. And I remember as a kid, um, uh, our first landlord, um, I used to admire that guy. He was, he was very old. <clears throat> he had several properties in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They were they were all D class properties, but this guy was making a ton of money. His family was living there; they, they were wealthy, and mm-hmm. you can see their, their his family, you know, his kids and grandkids of driving the nice cars. The actual owner was always driving his all beat up truck, but you know he was making a lot of money. So, uh, so yeah, man. In the, in the transition, I'm eager to know, you know, how you how you made it, how you made that transition from. Uh, w-2 job from corporate america to now you know be your own boss and and, and have so many so many so real quick for the for the ig listeners just summarize what my brother said in that in that minute because i know you can't hear him but essentially we 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 came back from humble beginners as well uh and it's it's important to us to see people you know do the same thing and we used to see the landlord <laughs> make funny as well so it's important for us to buy our own block and learn how to do it as well um but, you know, going into a question here is, you know, you, you said you went into Wall Street and then you worked at a hedge fund. How, how was that experience for you? So for, for me, I, I think in America, um, I think of capital in three ways. One is intellectual capital. And what I mean by that is you go to school, you have mentors, you read books, you learn the intellectual capital. The other capital is uh, financial capital. And so financial capital, you earn that from a job, you earn that from a business, you may do a side hustle, you may invest in stuff. So I had to get the financial capital. And the third one is social capital, which is the relationships that you build with people to affect change in other people's lives. And so the first thing for me from Philadelphia growing up in abject poverty, the first thing I wanted to do is get intellectual capital. And so that's why I went to college, had mentors, graduated from high school. The next thing I wanted to do was get financial capital. And so the financial capital, I was able to uh, uh, attain that by working on Wall Street, getting a good job and saving money. And so I, I mentioned that because in real estate for me, it takes two or three things to be really successful. One is you can have knowledge. The other one is you have grit. And the other one is you have money. And knowledge is like you're learning about the real estate industry or what have you by any means necessary. The other one is grit. You have perseverance. You keep working hard. And the other one is financial. You have money. So you only need two out of three. So in the beginning, I definitely was in a position where I didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have the money. So I wanted to work to build up the capital so I can buy investments. So that's why I kept my nine to five for a lot of years because I wanted to be able to live a regular life and save the money that I make. So I will buy, for instance, a foreclosed property or RE property for $22,000. I will put $17,000 into that house to fix it up and for supplies. Then it will get appraised for $115,000. And then I would take out $85,000. I'll do a refi cash out. Instead of spending that $85,000 to pay for my everyday life or go and buy expensive things, I believe in delayed uh, gratification. So I will put that $85,000 away or put a large 
chunk of it away. And then if you do that 10 times, you have close, you have close to $850,000 that you're stacking away. And you're also able to keep your nine to five. So therefore you can transition from the single families into the apartment buildings because you have that large down payment. So like for my triplex, it was $195,000. Let's make the math easy. Say 200,000, you put 30% down, you only need $60,000 for that down payment. You're putting 20% down. Then if you go and buy like a, um, a $400,000 property, then you only need to put 20% down. Then you're going to put $80,000 down. So my um, mentality and my approach was delayed gratification, continue to work your nine to five, build up that cash that cash pile so that you can use that to buy property. And then as it starts to go down, then you can partner with other people and you can buy even more. But that was, that was my strategy. That's awesome, man. So how was that transition from, you know, the residential to the commercial for you? Oh, absolutely. Well, the thing is that I think, and I tell people to be very successful in uh, real estate to make that leap from a single family uh, rental expert to apartment building expert, the first thing you have to do is you need a track record. So the, what I did is I said, I'm going to hone my skills, really understand how to find these individual houses that are dilapidated or undermanaged, fix them up, learn how to refi them, work with the banks, work with contractors, let people know, look, I have a track record. I'm very successful at these nine single family homes where I refi and take the cash out. The next thing you want to do is relationships. You want to leverage your relationships. And so I built relationships with banks and also with contractors. I understand how to put the processes and systems in place so that I can streamline my process. And then you're able to leverage your track record and your relationships. You have this reputation and then you're able to use that reputation to make the transition into apartment complexes. So that was my um, transition. So I went from owning like one single family in 2009, then owning in 2018, I owned nine of them. And then in 2019, I owned 35 rental units. That's when I start buying apartment buildings. And then by the end of 2020, I owned 105 rental units. So the transition for me has been seamless because I really focus on understanding my knitting and it became really good, a master at doing the single families. And then I was able to use that framework and systems and best practices to apply to my apartment complex. So that the transition for me was pretty smooth. No, that's awesome, man. Jeremy, what you got? Uh, <laughs> no, I, li I like, I like the transition too, man. Uh, but Mike, so what markets are you are you focusing on or were you focusing on when doing the, the single families? Okay, so what markets I was focused on. I started in the Philadelphia area. So I um, bought one uh, single family like in West Philly. Then I bought eight single families in uh, Philadelphia. And then I bought one single family in Harrisburg. And now what I own is I own eight single families in the Philadelphia area. And I own six single families in the Harrisburg area. And then I own uh, in total 85 rental units in the Philadelphia area. And then I own 20 rental units in the, uh, Philly, in the Harrisburg area. So what I did is I first focused on the city and then I was able to start expanding on the surrounding suburbs. Um, because you're, I like that method because what it is is very systematic and you're able to leverage your relationships with contractors and banks because the banks know those markets, the contractors know those markets. And if you put your own team together, I have my own property management team and cleaning team and things of that nature. I'm able to use that, that, that team and get the best pricing, uh, figure out how the conditions are, know about the markets. So I, I'm able to leverage my market uh, expertise. 
So, so let's talk about team. You mentioned team, right? Unless I, I cut off my, my brother here. Sorry. Yeah, one, I, I just got one question, man, because people ask me this all the time, and it seems like very common sense. But one, what does the, the relationship with the bank looks like? And Perfect. who do you who exactly in the bank do you build that relationship with? Excellent. Because people yeah. ask me, it's like, do that I That is a great question. Like, yeah. yeah, that is a great question. So I think it's incredibly important when you, and the question is, what does the relationship with a banker really look like? And so what I tell people is, look, think about your relationship <laughs> with the bank the same way you think about finding your lover. If you and I go on a date, you're not going to give me an engagement ring on the first night unless you're a fool and I'm going to be taking all your money like a gold digger. But we don't want you to be that way. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to go on a date just like think about how you go on a date, you get to know the person. So you spend time with the person, you ask questions, you figure out how they operate. And then you can decide if you want to move forward because a lot of times you will go to the altar, but you won't get married. And now I'm going to help you think about that in terms of the bank. So with a bank, you want to primarily, you might want to start small or start someone in your local community. Most people like to date people who live close by. So I went to a credit union. I go to the credit union and I say, can I talk to like your loan officer? What they're going to do is say, you can talk to a loan officer. Then a loan officer, I want to ex tell the loan officer something about myself. So I'm going to tell them I, ha I have a full-time job. This is my credit score. This is my dreams and my vision. And that is the way the bank is going to get to know you. And then you ask the bank, do you provide lending for single family homes or apartment complexes? So you want to get to know the bank. The bank wants to get to know you. What are your criteria for the loans? Then if you and the bank click it off and you really like each other, then you're going to say, oh, you know, I'm going to put a little money into this relationship. So you're going to open up a savings account. You're going to open a, a checking account. Then if you really like them, you're going to say, you know, we might can do a little getaway for the weekend. So by doing that, you're going to say, I'm going to open a personal line of credit. Now you have a personal line of credit. You have a credit card. You have a savings account. You also decide to maybe go to one of their workshops that they have that gives free money away if you go to a workshop and you want to buy a home. So now you're getting educated by the bank. You have accounts at the bank, you also open up a certificate of deposit with the bank. So now the bank is really excited because the bank makes money off of you giving them deposits because they can loan that money out. So the bank sees that you're interested in them and they're interested in you. You want to get educated. You're also letting the bank look, look, I actually want to save money. I actually want to open up a loan. I actually want to start my own real estate portfolio. So you go and do one deal with the bank, but banks don't like one night stands. So you go and do the, the deal with the bank. You're not only going to get the initial loan when you fix up the property, you're going to ask them, can they give you a construction loan? They may have that. You also may ask them, can they give you can they work with you when you refi? So because you refi, they may give you any, even more benefits. So I get it. You're building a relationship because one, you're doing lending with the bank. You're saving with the bank. You're doing credit with the bank. You're doing personal lines of credit with the bank. You're going to their workshops and their programs. You're telling your friends and family about the bank. You're actually going to actually have your, your tenants. They can deposit their rent into the bank. And they can also um, pay you and then you send the money directly to the bank because what you're doing is telling the bank, look, this is a cycle, a circle. I want us to have this circle of love going back and forth. And this is how you're going to build the relationship with the bank. The bank is going to look out for you. So if that lender says, look, we're a credit union, we can't give you a million dollars or two million dollars for an apartment building, but we know another banker that can actually help you. And that is how you build a real powerful relationship with the loan officer, not the bank teller. 
and, and that's how I tell people to think about it. Think about it how you find your lover. And hopefully if you do a, you're a good judge of character, <laughs> you're going to be in a good one. I, I, I don't think I've ever read this in a book. Ever. Oh, this should, oh be, this should be a whole chapter. Is oh, exactly thank you, how you thank explain you. it. I just try to be honest. Chapter, yeah, <laughs> I just try to be honest. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. How do how you find your lover? That's how. Yeah, this is the name of the book right there. Hey, gotcha. this is how you get banking, banking yes. loans. But so you know, you, you mentioned that the whole, you know, community bank, um, you know, credit union, and and you know, this is one of the reasons why we like the commercial side so, so much is because the first thing. A bank is going to really look when, on the commercial side, look at the asset, how it's performing, um, you know, DSCR, is it, are you going to be able to pay the loan and then some, right? Um, and then after that, they start kind of looking at a track record, everything else, and, you know, who's the team. But other than, than those community banks, have you leveraged any other oh, uh, sorts of funding? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Equity, you name it private lending? Oh, yeah. So I've mentioned that because I want people to make it tangible that everyday people can relate to it. Yeah. So when I first started, I actually had used like a credit union. And then once you use a credit union, then you start to become even more sophisticated. You say, look, I could probably date outside my my local people on my block. So therefore, you start to talk to like a mortgage broker. And so mortgage brokers, what they do is they'll take your information and they'll reach out to like 20 different um, bank, potential banks that you could work with and they'll give you the best terms. So that's one way you can look at it. Then once you start being in the business, people will um, reach out to you. Hard money lenders will say, hey, look, we can help you do this and do that. Then what happens, as I said before, when you have that track record and then you have the relationships, you have a reputation. So therefore, you're going to have bigger banks that's going to be interested in you. So I was working on one deal where we had our own, we were potentially going to do our own lending. And the seller, the the, the seller had financing in place for this, let's say, 14 unit complex. And the, the seller had a relationship with First National Bank. First National Bank reached out to us and said, hey, look, can you please just keep the loan with us? Don't go to another bank. We'll be so competitive. We'll give you better terms. So I mentioned that because... You want to take blessings from wherever they come. And so in the beginning, you go local credit unions. Then you start going to mortgage brokers. Then you also talk to bigger banks. You also talk to hard money lenders. And you also have a reputation. So then you have people who want to be debt investors who may have extra cash on the side that just want a nice dividend. Or you may have people who want to be equity partners and you may take them on. So I initially started on my own and then I advanced from credit unions. I've never used hard money lenders, but they always try and date me, but I tell them, no, I'm good, son. Y'all too expensive. Y'all like getting strippers. But um, <laughs> so what I do is I stick to my knitting and I went from uh, paying my own money, credit unions, using regular banks, mortgage brokers, and then uh, debt investors. And then short term, someone may say, hey, I have 20,000. Can you give me this interest rate? And I set up a promissory note. And then I, I eventually advanced to the equity partners um, as I got bigger and bought a 24 unit because my $850,000 is I was building my own portfolio, which is majority of I own majority of 80%. I had to find more money because I'll be left with 100 grand. I know you, you have 100 grand. We can go buy something for a million dollars. And so eventually your own personal money will run out. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to start leveraging. And you mentioned team, right? So as you get bigger and you scale, you know, what does your team look like? And, you know, are you are you pulling money to do syndications? Are you pulling money to JV? How's it working out for you? So I think that what most people should think about 
um, initially is when they first start the business, figure out what is your vision? What do you want? So for me, I knew that I wanted to have um, a nice chunk of ownership. And so in the beginning, I said, I'll just, I'll do slow and steady. I'll buy these cheap properties, fix them up, refi them, sit on the cash on my own so I can buy enough of these units by my own while I own 100% of them. And then once my cash start to go down, then I will explore the opportunity of maybe a debt investor. So you can have a family member or aunt say, oh, I have 10,000, I'm 70 years old. I, I want it to be safe. Let's set up a promissory note. Give them their money back within one to five years, depending on the relationship that you have and pay them like 7% interest or something like that. So therefore your partner, when you think about your team, it's not only like the people that work for you day to day, but your team involves like your lawyer, your team involves your um, lender. So you're more, it could be a mortgage broker. Uh, your team involves like um, private lenders. So it could be family members, it could be friends. Your team involves also your property manager. So I knew early on that I wanted to manage my own business because some companies charge like 10%, 7% just to manage a single family home. And I was like, if I'm bringing a hundred thousand a year, I don't want to give $7,000 away. And then I said, if I get to like a, a million dollars, I don't want to give like 70,000 away. And so for me, I said, oh, hell no, I better go read every book on property management and become really good at it. So what I said is, okay, I'm going to convince some of my family members to get their real estate license. I had my real estate license, convince my brother to get his real estate license. I told him, I said, look, if you get your license, you understand a business, you do it the way I want you to do it, then I'm going to let you become my broker, my exclusive broker when I do big deals. So I do a million dollar deal, he's getting a 3% commission. Um, and so I also figured out how can I put some of my family members in place because I'm a big fan of, you hear a lot about generational wealth, which I think is cool, but I talk about transformational wealth. And what I mean by that is what you're doing, you're trying to transfer and transform you and your loved ones and close friends' lives. So by having my brother involved in the business, I'm able to give him substantial amount of commission. He's a property manager. My stepmom is also a property manager. My other brother helps out. And I was also able to help family members with down payments and so for their, their homes. So what's happening is that we don't have to wait for the next generation to get wealthy. What we're doing is transformational wealth, which is helping across the family lines today and now. And that's, that's one of the other things we do. But my team involves figuring out how do I put my lawyers together, my broker together, my property manager together, my cleaning business together, my uh, lenders together so that I can make a large impact in my business. And so that's how I think about my team. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> I got. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna quote you, and, and I'm gonna <laughs> give you a, the credit, obviously, for that phrase. Oh, I appreciate wealth. it. I, I love it, man, because everybody talks about generational wealth. Yes. But the reality is, and my brother and I are working on that too, where you you look on how to put your team and how to try to put your family yes inside that team. And you give them ideas. Hey, if you if you hone on this skill, if you, if yep. you get this license, if you learn this, come and work with us. Yes, uh, which is awesome. I, I love it, man. No, it is awesome. But you know, I mean, you hit on a key point. You know, you got to talk to your family, and your family might not always be interested in doing. Oh yeah. Real estate. Oh yeah. I mean, if that's not their interest, it just it's but, not. But you work, try. Right? But you try. Yeah. So, for instance, yeah, my stepmom, not my 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 aunt, she um. She, so she, I may not push her to go to a real estate license, but she likes to clean or have another family member likes to clean. So therefore we start like a cleaning business. So you try to fit, fit people in where they get in. So it's not necessarily trying to 
force people to do everything you do, but say, yeah. look, we're trying to create transformational wealth. We're trying to help the whole, elevate the whole family in many ways. No one has to be perfect. But my job, what I do, what we do at KJ Consulting on our IG page is we try to coach people. So you may know how to throw, you may know how to run, and you may know how to catch. My job is to teach you how to become a better thrower, how to become a better catcher, and also a better runner. Now, I don't need you to know how to do all those things. But if I'm really good at what I do, what I say is I'm really good at coaching, I need to identify what your strength is, then we can go from there. And I can help improve your life, not necessarily that you need to be a millionaire, but I want to elevate your your life, especially if you're my family member. Um, Like also one of my nieces is one of my interns. And she said, but I don't even like real estate. I said, but I don't give a damn. You're going to be a part of it. You'll figure it out. And then just be mad and you'll learn and we'll go from there. (laughs) So so that's how I look at it. Nice. No, no, that's good, man. Yeah, No, I hear you. You got to fit people where, you know, their strengths uh, lie. And, and that's the thing, right? A lot of people don't don't know them. I, I feel they don't know themselves good enough to know where their strengths don't lie because what they see is the end result. Oh, hey, Kay, you know, Kay is making good money. He's doing his real estate thing. I want to do exactly what he's doing. But then they try and do it and they're like, I hate this. <laughs> oh, know? yeah, they do. It's just they... a different, just yes. a different world. Hey, I have, I have the opposite where it's like friends that they think that they cannot change, right? I'm too old to change on that stuff. But they do tell me, hey, man, I'm not going to do what you do, but I want my kids to see you grow to do eventually what you do, which is also, you know, transformational wealth. Because like, okay, cool. He's, he's somebody I, I love dearly. Uh, but yeah, he's not going to get into real estate. But then he tells me, it's like, I'm, I'm so proud of you and what you're doing that I want my kids to learn yeah. from you. I don't want yeah. them to do what I do, but I want, he's not going to yeah. do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, that's that's also yeah, that's transformational because you 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 helping you know. It's taken to the next it. level. It's so oh, it's yeah, crazy. I, I love it, man. I love it. So you know, we talked a little bit, you know, about your you know kind of a little bit about how you go from residential and your whole strategy, which I thought was awesome for any beginning investor to see. Hey, you could go from from residential into commercial, and and these are the actions you took. I'm going to dive a little bit back into what you, um, what you did at, you know, at Wall Street. I, I'm just curious because, you know, there's all this Wall Street go- stuff. Oh, going yeah, that's, right oh, now. I, I forgot to answer that question. Yeah. To talk about. I remember you said, how was it on Wall Street? So it was yeah. really, it was really crazy. Um, I joined Wall Street in 2005. It was, it was, it was a great time. It was a class at Goldman Sachs, which one of the top investment banks. It was a class of 300. Um analysts coming in from college from around the world we had training in new york so it was crazy i couldn't believe people from australia china uh india all of us were just there and i think in my class of students of color that were american probably like a total of 10 as hispanics and african-americans out of 300 um and this is a front office job where you'll get exposure to mergers and acquisitions and that's pretty much when one company buys another company or when the two companies merge together and we had six weeks of training on how to do accounting, finance, um, bonds, uh, investing, best practices. We work like 80, 90 hours a week. It was so intense, the craziest job I've ever had. Um, and then it was the only job where I actually had to work 50 hours nonstop. And the people had uh, the expectation that you will continue. But I told the guy on a Friday, I was like, look, I'm about to faint. So I went home at like 9 p.m. on Friday and woke up on Saturday, like at 9 or 10 p.m. to go to the bathroom and went back to sleep and woke up on Sunday. So it was a very intense, it was like being in, in the military. That job was so cool because they really 
give you a lot of autonomy and responsibility. So I worked on like $500 million, billion dollar deals. And sometimes I'll get sent off to Delaware to represent Goldman Sachs as a young guy who's like in his 20s, 24, what have you. And there's no senior people there. And I'm like, yeah, I represent Goldman Sachs. I'm, I'm KR, what have you. Um, and we have the ma managers who are at a factory doing a walkthrough. It's, it was just, it'll just blow your mind. And so I think that what that taught me was that it's better to be approximately right than precisely wrong. And so they were of the mindset, like, look, this person has enough skills and ability that they can learn the job. And so it really pushed me to think about things very differently and taught me about systems and practices. And then after that, I got the great opportunity to work at a hedge fund, a $3 billion long share equity hedge fund in Boston, which blew my mind because I couldn't believe you have like seven people or eight people that uh, manage $3 billion. And then my boss get paid like 50, $70 million a year. It just was unbelievable and unreal, a world that a lot of people have never seen. Um, and also to be the only person of color at the time was, was very fascinating. And being responsible for European financials, US home builders and UK home builders. And I spent some time doing um, US financials as well. And I mean, I'm like the person, I meet with 300 CEOs from around the world and they come into our office and I ask them questions. And my boss says, well, KR, he's the expert. He'll be taking it from here. And it's, it was really crazy to be like in your early twenties doing that. But what it taught me is it gave me that confidence that look, whatever you put me in, no matter what the world throws at me, I'm going to keep coming out the corner swinging. And so that's the mentality I have. And also that, that you learn how to put systems in place and processes in place so that if I get hit by a bus, anyone on my team can take over very easily. And that was one of the benefits of working on Wall Street and also working for a hedge fund. You got to see how old money operate. It's like living through the Titanic where you see the new money and the old money and see how they process things and how they view the world. Um, it'll really make you switch your game up. That's awesome, man. How do you feel about all this stuff going on with, with hedge funds right now? You have like Wall Street bets and all that. Well, I think that um, I think that the the Wall Street has definitely changed a lot. I remember when I was younger, you used to have to pay a commission if you were a retail um, trader. If you wanted to buy something or sell something, you had to pay like six dollars or what have you per trade. But now you no longer have to do that. You can go to Fidelity, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, or what have you, uh, and you can trade and not have to pay a commission. We didn't have Robinhood and all these different things. You also had to have like a um, a certain amount of money you had to put down in order to open up accounts at certain banks, like a thousand or what have you. So what the, the barriers to entry has actually um, become lower. So that means yeah. you're going to have a lot more retail people and unsophisticated people playing the game. Um, and so it's really hard for people to make sense of what's going on. Uh, I, I think that this is a permanent shift where you're going to have a lot more retail people entering the game and you're going to have some of uh, more volatility because you have so many different factors uh, going on as opposed to in the past, we didn't have to worry about all these different things. But yeah. I think that uh, hedge funds, uh, they're, they're around, they're gonna stick around forever yeah. and long-term money. And what's scary is that the people who aren't sophisticated and they're just chasing like momentum or some type of fad, they're gonna be stuck holding the bag. So you gotta make sure you still do your fundamental analysis where you're looking at financial statements, listen to the, um, the earnings calls, reading the press releases, making sure you feel comfortable. What I do now, I invest in a lot of companies and no, I invest in a few companies. I believe you gotta go for the juggler and go deep and believe and have conviction. So the companies I invest in like Amazon or Facebook or um, uh, Amazon, Facebook or Pfizer or something like that, the companies I really believe in, 
uh, I have a lot, Apple, definitely, I have a lot of conviction because they're my partner. I see them as business partners. So I'm willing, I'm at the point where I'm willing to put uh, several hundred thousand dollars down on an investment. I, when I was younger, I would be a buy and hold guy and put $6.99 down to buy a fraction of a stock. I'm no longer there. I'm with the big boys now. So I want to be able to sleep at night. Yeah. I do not want to be like, oh my goodness, is GameStop going up or go down? Oh my God, I lost all my money. Nah, son. First rule of investing when you get to a certain level is return of capital. Yeah. And then the second thing is don't forget the first rule. So once you once you reach that status that you feel comfortable with your life, you don't want to be jeopardizing it. Nah, I was already poor, son. I ain't trying to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, man, it, it's been awesome talking to you. We're going on here 30 minutes. I got sure one question. For forever. German, go ahead. I got, I got one question, man. The last one. Uh, and, and we talk about barrier to entry now the, uh, with the stocks and all that stuff. You know, you don't, you don't pay commissions, all that stuff. What do you think about no money down or yeah for for real estate or that you don't need any money to to start real estate all right so there are two things i want to mention i'm, I'm going to get to that question the 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 hype that everybody's saying no money down to start real estate one is um if you really like the gems that we're dropping i'm going i have a course this saturday from 9 a.m to 1 p.m and i'm going to teach all my frameworks give you excel what have you we're teaching that course and any of your listeners, the first five that decide to sign up, I'm going to give them a 30 minute free consultation where I'll talk to you for 30 minutes, answer any questions you have free of charge. And so that course is our virtual boot camp. The way you're going to sign up for that is you go to KJ Consulting and it's in our bio section. You just click on the link and you can sign up to be a part of our member membership where we'll send you emails about what we're doing, but you also can sign up for the course and that's February 20th. That's this upcoming Saturday. Uh, the second thing is the best way to reach us is on our IG, KJ Consulting. But this question about no money down um, or very little money down, one is that is only possible if you really understand uh, creative financing. And creative financing is not easy or for the faint hearted. It's very, very risky. And so in our course, we talk about creative financing. Most of the time, you got to have some type of money down, unless you're going to live in a residence. If you're going to live in a residence, then you could probably get away with no money down if you're like a doctor or a lawyer because they have zero um, percent down type of pro um, programs, or you're like a veteran, they have very little, or you do um, a FHA loan, you put down like 3.5%. But most of the time, you have to put some type of money down, unless you know how to think outside the box. And thinking outside the box means that you're leveraging your relationships where you may have a family member or a friend or someone who may give you the money for the down payment, or you may do a hard money lender for the down payment. But I do not advise people who are brand new to the business to take on so much risk where you find yourself maybe having to file for bankruptcy, or you destroy your credit, or you destroy a relationship with a friend or a family uh, member. I think it's very important that you walk a very fine line. And I tell people what we say is when you get in the business, I'd rather for you focus on the easy breezy cover girl houses and easy breezy cover girl type of situations where the deal will not set you back in your relationships or financially. You're able to go in there, you can fix it up, you put enough money down. If you can't afford a house for 50000 in a certain neighborhood, so 50000 you may have to put 5000 down, 10000 Go find a house cheaper for $22,000 or what have you in a different market. You don't have to invest in your backyard. But I, I said people need to figure out what their um, their hitting weight is or the hitting class and focus on that. And then we can go from there. 
Um, but I had a great time with you guys. I hope that uh, some of your followers decide to follow us and we're going to be dropping gems. We're trying to change the game. For me, it's not about getting a mentorship where I make money and you guys help me pay my bills. I love you whether you sign up or not. I just think that there's so much misinformation out there that I want to help people because I'm not self-made. I'm community made. So people like you help me, family members, friends, the community helped make me who I am today. I'm not great because I woke up like this. Unfortunately, I'm not Beyonce. Love it, man. No, I love it. Yeah, I love it, man. You know, just like you, you know, we're we're all trying to make it. And I think um, like these days, the issue is not the information that's being withheld. I think the issue these days is that there is so much information out yes. there. You can, you can learn it all on YouTube. You can learn it all by Googling. But then you have information overload. I think now it is more than critical for people to find a mentor to be like, hey, this is what you should pay attention to. And, and this is good, but you may not be ready for it yet kind of thing. Uh, so there's so much information. Out oh, there. I agree. I yeah. agree. Like a lot of men, a lot of the difference between my course and a lot of other courses is that we're not doing a one night stand. So you sign up for my course, you get the four hour uh, lesson. And then we're going to send you information. Then we're going to do a one. We're going to check on you once a month for the next 12 months to make sure you do what the hell we said. You're not going to embarrass me. So what we're trying to do is we're letting you know we're invested in your success. Um, selfishly, we want you to be successful so we can brag about you and put you as one of our testimonials. But the other reason is because we just want people in the community to um, experience transformational wealth. And we think that we have the best solution, the best secrets. And um and I think you got to check the receipts. People, people out here preaching and stuff. You, if the people don't, you teaching people about credit and you got bad credit. You can look on my page. You'll see my credit score is over 800. You, you talking about, you know, real estate, but you don't own any properties. You can look at my page. You can see I, my name is on the properties. God willing, that's a blessing. I never thought I'd yeah. be a, a black Donald Trump, but not in the bad sense, in the good <laughs> sense of owning property. Um, so it's just to inspire people. So I hope that people would follow you two because I've talked to my followers. You should follow these two brothers because they're doing their thing. And we just need to continue to put out those positive role models. I think that's what's going to change the world. No, absolutely, man. And, and you know, being Latino, there's not that many of us out there doing, doing this stuff. So for us, it's a sense of pride, too. But, you know, this episode will be on our podcast as well. If you, you know, just tuned in on IG. So, you know, feel free to reach out to any of us. Um, any anywhere else they, they should find you other than IG? Our website, you you go to our IG KJ Consultant uh, page, and in the bio section, you can click on our website and you can sign up with your email, and then we'll always be in touch. But our, we do investor updates, so you can see how we're transforming our own portfolio and, and and some of our goals for the future. Okay, awesome, man. And you know, and for all our listeners on the podcast and IG as well. You know, go ahead and follow uh, KR. And then also for, for us, we have our, our free ebook we just launched. Uh, we have a couple other resources, a digital planner that we just launched for 2021. And then we're also launching a course come March uh, timeframe. So check that out. Uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you like about the ebook. But, you know, obviously it was, it was amazing talking to you, brother. Uh, we'll have to stay in touch. It was fun. Thanks for having me. You guys, yeah, are, you guys are out here being legends. Uh, so no, it's no, no, I'm just, you know, for me, it's just, it's a blessing to be able to give back and inspire people and to just wake up every day and want to do cartwheels and backflips. I, I used to do it when I was younger. I can't do that crap anymore, I can't but do um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just excited. It's really nice to, to be able to go from, I remember in 2018 when 
my rental income, let's say was $85,000 for like the whole year. And now I make close to $100,000 a month in rental income. So it's just, nice. it's just like someone like me who come from really humble beginnings, not the smartest cat or the, well, I am the best looking cookie in a jar, <laughs> but that's a different thing. Um, to be able to achieve uh, transformational wealth is just amazing. So I'm glad I was given an opportunity to put out my story today. Oh um, man, that's awesome. And we got to change the color of, you know, in uh, the diversity of, of the people who are succeeding in the, in, in the real estate yes, industry, right? Spread the love. I, mean, I can't tell you how many rooms we get in and, and you know, we're not we're the only Latinos in there. We're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, we're, we're working on that too. Yeah. All right. So it was yeah. a pleasure. I'll talk to you. And Thank oh, you. for anyone that's listening, what we do on Tuesday is we have our uh, live check on KJ Consultant. We have a live chat. We do it at 12 p.m., 12 p.m. to 12.30. So after this, I'm going to hop on that. We have one theme question we talk about every week, but we have an open uh, cipher. You can ask any questions. So hopefully you guys check that out and and um it was a pleasure to talk to you guys soon all right hey, thank out, you man. bro thank take you. care